So we return to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're looking just at verse 7 this morning. I, I don't intend to just keep going one verse at a time, but I think the section we are in, uh, these verses, as we've been doing recently, warrant uh, extra and close attention. I remind you that we have begun Moses' exposition and application of the first of the Ten Commandments in great detail. That's where we are. You have no other gods before God. That means not in his presence, and his presence is everywhere. And uh, so we have begun with the great Shema, the teaching of the first commandment in great detail. And uh, we're continuing with that now in practical application and understanding. Uh, What I would like to do is go ahead and read from the first verse uh, through verse 7, and then I'll repeat the verse verse 7 just to get some, some review and connection since I am going in smaller parts. Hear now the word of the Lord, Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 7, and then we'll repeat verse 7, our text for the sermon. Now, these are the commandments of the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord the God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might." And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. And I want to point out to you that this is the responsibility to the parents, to the children. But I want you children to recognize how important God is to you and how much he wants you to know his commandments. And this is one of the major ways your parents do teach you. It's not the only way. They bring you to church to hear the teaching and preaching of the Lord's words and all his commandments. As we would seek to fulfill the Great Commission. To teach, make disciples and teach them to do all that Christ commands. And that certainly needs to include our covenant children born in the church. So I challenge the children to listen, and I read verse 7 again. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And of course, as our little ones are quite young, as one of mine, you might have been hearing in the room, in the, in the training room, we like to call it, though he has been crying a little bit. A lot of teaching our children in the earliest years is how to listen so they can more and more hear and put into their hearts uh, what the Lord commands. May the Lord bless this, the reading, the preaching, the hearing, the believing, the loving, and the doing of his holy word. Well, we're back to thinking about our children. As you saw, it wasn't that long ago we had a, a sermon about leaving a legacy to our children of faith and love in the Lord earlier at the beginning of this chapter. 
And when I was studying to preach that sermon over the first three verses of this chapter a little while ago, I was motivated. Uh, you know, I have tools that I use. I have a Bible software, and there's a cross-reference that comes up whenever you're on a certain verse. You can scroll over a lot of other verses that might relate. Um, and, and this verse just really blessed me and motivated me, encouraged me to just, the most important thing is for me uh, to know and love God and to teach my children to know and love God. Uh, that's so important. Of course, it's a requirement that your children would be faithful um, uh, if you're going to be an officer of the church. This, this particular verse that came up in the cross-reference really encouraged me. Uh, Proverbs 17, verse 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. I think that's just really describing a lot of what it should be to be God's covenant people, to be God's covenant church. That's the entire context of where this is going. It's to be for generations after generations, passed down by their parents, passed down from their parents. And that really is the greatest heritage a man can have. That at the end of his life, his children love him, uh, they are his glory, and he is their glory in the covenant with the Lord. God's covenant people must diligently teach their covenant children all God's covenant commandments by speaking of them all the time, everywhere, so they too love God together. I give that to you as the main idea of our verse in its context. God's covenant people must diligently teach their covenant children all God's covenant commandments by speaking of them all the time, everywhere, so they too love God together. I'm mindful of how many often don't recognize the need to treat our children as part of the covenant and to love them and teach them to love the Lord. I'm mindful of how somehow, uh, even in terms of the sacraments, uh, the first sacrament until they're communicant members, the sacrament of baptism, I'm mindful of how often that seems to be neglected of our children, marking them with the sign of the covenant, and making our commitment to raise them in the Lord is what it's all about, claiming them for Christ and teaching them. It's amazing how the Old Testament can be severed from the New, but it shouldn't be. It's the same covenant of grace in Christ, and the children are included in the Old, so they should be in the New. And what also motivates me uh, as we approach this text about raising our children in the Lord as the, as the primary thing that we should be concerned about in life. And those of us who may not have children or grown children, it's, it still should be our greatest joy as a church is raising up covenant children. Not that we wouldn't be seeking the Lord to add other covenant children through conversions of families, and, uh, but we must not neglect our own. And we should see it as our greatest privilege and our, our greatest heritage if we do what it says. Proverbs 23, verse 24, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. I was thinking of, hopefully that may be a, a, an appropriate scripture I could consider for my tombstone one day. Or my funeral service. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. But that comes, that beginning of such a child to enjoy later in life, starts with what we're being told to do today in our text. Another proverb to motivate me and you, and as a church with our covenant children, Proverbs 29, verse 3, the first part. Uh, the second part is the opposite and negative by contrast, but the first part we'll focus on. Whoso loveth wisdom, 
rejoiceth his father. Whoever loves wisdom, children, if you love to hear the Bible and you love to learn God's commands and know the history of the Bible and, and about Jesus and heaven and you want to be there living in joy with him, uh, that rejoices your father and that rejoices your mother. And I want to say to father and mother and spiritual fathers and mothers, cherish raising your children to love the Lord. Because what God is telling us to do is incredibly, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a ton of sacrifice. And this is why, and I know I've said this many times in such similar sermons, but it, it's been something Fernand and I have talked a lot about. She had a hard, find, hard time finding a man she felt could be a good husband and a father. One of the first reasons she was interested in me is because of my children, <laughs> and I look to be a good father. And it's hard to find a guy who wants to be a dad. Or it's hard to find a guy who wants more than one child. And why did, what do they always say? And her experience in Brazil is people have not usually very many children. Why? Because career comes first. And everybody says children are a lot of work. And that's what one man said to her in Boston. And I'm glad so that I can have her. But he said, uh, you know, I don't want any more children. He had one. He was divorced. And uh, I don't want any more children. They're a lot of work. And, you know, you can never do anything for yourself. It's not entirely true because all you're doing with your children is a blessing on yourself if you know that and you see them as blessings and all the lovely, silly little things and big, wonderful things as they grow in the Lord. Um, It's such a blessing. But we need to recognize that if we really cherish our children, let alone cherish having them, if we really cherish our children, we will cherish raising our children to love the Lord. And that's the message for you this morning. Cherish raising your children to love the Lord cherish it, love to do it, see it as your primary thing to be doing in life. Having your children and raising them in the Lord because you cherish them so much. First of all, love your children in the Lord. Love them. You know, we want to pass down to our children what we get of great value in life, especially things that we think that, are, that last and are of a special, incredible value because we love them. We want them to have whatever we can pass on to them out of love. And we need to have our hearts set on Psalm 103, verse 17, with that in view. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. More than anything, we want to love our children so much that we focus more than anything else on extending to them what God has put in our heart, his everlasting love. Love from everlasting to everlasting, that they would know for themselves what we know, that God has said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. We want to pass that down to our children and our children's children. And so he focuses today on your children. And he's already done that in verses 1 to 3. And I've already been thinking about, boy, I I want to be careful not to be giving you the same sermon every time, but the Lord always has a context and a nuance that makes it a new sermon. But he does keep repeating the main things. And then we're going to see that's a lot of what we're told to do today and how we do this. We already had a a lot of this in the first part of the chapter. He doesn't take long to get back to it. He's building his church, and he builds primarily through his church. Through our children, his children. Verses 1 to 3 of chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land, whither ye go to possess it, 
that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou, and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily. As the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Notice, not just your children, but your children's children. And that's a phrase we saw in Psalm 103. Uh, We see that in Psalm 128, the blessing of it. But the being of a blessing of it to have those children and grandchildren and to raise them as children in the Lord. Notice there's a, God has a, a vision he wants you to have of thinking even beyond your children to their children. And in planting that legacy, you leave to them for them to build and leave to their children. So much more than property or possessions. But the Lord and the love of the Lord and his words in our heart. And that takes repetition. When I went through verses 1 to 3 for you of chapter 6, the message was leave a legacy of godly fear and love. The point of the text I shared was uh, the summary of the Ten Commandments is for God's people to hear, keep, and do them for their prosperity and progeny. The points of the sermon were this, or the moves of the sermon. May your life leave a legacy to your covenant children and generations of Christ's church. It was that uh, main idea. And then live the kind of church life for your children to learn from and follow in following Christ. Those are the two main moves leading to this point of the sermon. Live a legacy of godly fear and love. I wrote a devotional for seminary uh, uh, on the book of Deuteronomy, and I actually uh, went through it uh, in part at membership camp before we first came out here. You had us come to camp, and then we You were very generous. We went back to finish seminary, and then we came back later, about a month later, I believe. And um, but the first time you had us out for for uh, family camp, I I taught from this devotion I had done for seminary on Deuteronomy, and the name of that was this: Remember who you are, passing on the faith to the next generation of the covenant. That's much of God's application of Deuteronomy. It's much of what he's doing, starting with chapter 5. Pass on your Christian faith to the next generation of the covenant in Christ. Be deliberate. This is loving your children. One thing that, and I know I've shared it before, but one thing that surprised me after I had been teaching through a few lessons at family camp, one of the One of the men said to me while we were getting our food at the buffet, I I never understood I was supposed to train my children directly. I I thought that was for them to figure out. And he didn't seem happy about this message. And I'll tell you why. It's the same reason some people don't really want to baptize their kids. They don't want to have to make that commitment to do the kind of work God expects of us in raising our children for him. But this is what God requires. This is what God entrusts us with with our children. You are to be teaching them of God's love and to love him back as children born in the covenant of God's love and how to love him as his commandments. And they need to be in their hearts just as much as your heart. If you want your children to love the Lord, you teach them of the love of the Lord and store up his loving words in their hearts to have something to love him with. 
certainly through the blood of Christ and by the Holy Spirit. But as Christ says, obeying his commands is to love him. Your children need to know that God is love. And that will come from your cherishing them as covenant children, made obvious to them in how you love the Lord and how you love them in the Lord. And you remember things like Psalm 127 and Psalm 128, which were recently posted as articles from Place for Truth on our Facebook page, if you see it. It's public. You don't have to be on Facebook. I'm not, but you can see it in there. Uh, Psalm 127, rejoicing. Children are a gift of God. They're a reward to the womb of the woman. They are arrows in the man's uh, quiver to shoot out and pack the world for Christ. The means Christ uses to, to send out and impact the world. Psalm 128, not only that, he goes on to say, those who fear the Lord are so blessed, they even have the blessing of their covenant children's children. You know, parents and grandparents are spoken of as how blessed they are. But to have that, they've been fearing the Lord, keeping his commands, loving him, and instilling that into their children. And having that thing that the world doesn't understand, and sadly, too much of the church doesn't understand, it is not foolish to think that you can call upon your children to serve Christ at an early age and plan their whole life around church life, including where they go to school, including what they study, including where they live, and to encourage them to think about helping to build the church with their own children as adults. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's exactly what we're told to do here. We need to understand that. And that's real love. You love your children and how you teach your children to love the Lord as you do. May your commitment be to your, your own children, to the church's covenant children, may it be Psalm 80, uh, excuse me, 78, Psalm 78, verses 1 to 7. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. That's Christ speaking, by the way. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. And his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Beloved, be committed to your covenant children out of love. Cherish your covenant children as the Lord cherishes you and them as his covenant children and wants them to know and keep his commandments, relating to him in love. Again, Christ says, they who have been forgiven much loveth much. And the keeping of his commands is love. Teach your children to love the Lord because of how much you love them. If you love your children, you will go out of your way to teach them to love the Lord. And, you know, just like especially raising little ones, I can think a lot about right now, regardless of how they respond 
trusting over time, you'll see what you've been putting in there. Diligently teach your children to love the Lord. Love your children in the Lord. And so diligently teach your children to love the Lord. When you're When you have children, your whole life changes indeed, no doubt about it. But they're not just a lot of work, they're a lot of blessing, especially how much you, relating how much you bless them with the Lord's love. You're always teaching them something, especially when it requires a lot of exhaustive repetition in the younger years for basic behavior. And you're tempted to give up, right? Often throw up, I'm done, forget it. Go ahead, live your own life, two-year-old, four-year-old, seven-year-old. You know, you feel like saying, forget it, I'm done. But you don't, you keep coming back. You keep teaching them the same things because you love them and you want to see them grow into adults. You want to see them grow into adults in the Lord. But it does require a lot of exhaustive repetition and extra effort and support later on of reviewing the same things and going over the same things. By explaining and demonstrating constantly wherever you go, especially in the home. But wherever you find yourself, often again the same things, constantly repeating, constantly reminding of the meaning of these things. And so we're told, teach diligently. Diligently teach. Not just teach. Diligently teach. In the Hebrew, it's one word. There are other words you could use for teach. This word about teach includes the idea of strenuous training. Straining yourselves first more than anything. As you know, the teacher has a lot more to do than the student in terms of preparing and teaching and grading and helping and reminding. Diligently teaching. One word in the Hebrew. It's emphasizing the diligent part. And it's interesting to survey some of the different translations. I think in this case it will give us a nice... Nice sense of what this means to teach diligently. In the Spanish version that we are familiar with, it translates it repetivas. Forgive me if I'm not saying that perfectly. And my sense is repetition. Repeating, 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 repeating. That is how you learn, right? We teach our children, especially with certain things, math, language. You know what? Don't worry about why so much. These, well, especially with language, these things evolve. Matthew, you want to know why more. But the main thing is you just got to memorize it. You, and how do you memorize? Repeat, 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 repeat. And then when we, we've had it memorized after a little while, ah, I'm losing it. Repeat, repeat. Review, 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 review. That's the idea of teaching diligently. Uh, the Geneva Bible, not the new Geneva Study Bible, the original Geneva Bible, it translates teach diligently uh, as rehearse. Rehearse. Uh, if you, you know, just keep reviewing, keep exploring, keep practicing. You, know, you can think about that whether you're rehearsing for piano. And by the way, you have a rehearsal before you do the real piano concert. And in that case, you dress up like you will and you act the way you will for that. And by the way, recently, and you'll hear more about this later, uh, last week we had a rehearsal speech and debate tournament to practice for the real one coming in Point Loma in January with our speech and debate club. Rehearse, rehearse. Think about theater. You have rehearsals, right? You have, then you have a dress rehearsal. This is the idea of teach diligently, deliberate, focused. Go through the details. And in a rehearsal, no, 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 stop, wait. 
Okay, let me remind you. You got to try it again. You know, good. That's better. Now just do a little more of this. You know, that's what we're talking about. That's the idea of how we're to raise our children. It's interesting in the Portuguese, and I, I did get some assistance from my wife to know what I was looking at. The word, uh, I'm sure I'll butcher it again, encenarás, encenarás. That's the word given for this Hebrew word to teach diligently. And it, it means particularly has the sense of guide, like a shepherd. Oh, a shepherd guiding its sheep, that's 24-7, right? And that's all the dirty work, right? That's, that's not the glorious, glamorous stuff. It's all the work that helps the sheep be white as snow and cleanse them when they need it. Uh, it's interesting because I was curious... Um, if you look in Proverbs 22.6 in the Portuguese, where it says train up a child, and, and, and there we don't have diligently teach, it's just train. And uh, the Portuguese there is instrui, instrui, which looks like instruction. And it is a different word and has less of an oomph to it. Instrui, instruction is one thing, but uh, in Portuguese, the ensinaras is guiding, shepherding. It's more, and Fernanda described it to me today, yeah, it's more than just kind of teaching some information. It's, okay, now go this way. Don't we do that with our children when they're little? No, no, you keep touching their head to guide them straight, you know, (laughs) or grabbing their arms to keep them out of the street they just about ran into. It's this constant supervision. It's this constant reminding we look both ways before crossing the street. How many times have I told you that? You don't just run out of the parking lot from the store without looking both ways. You're going to get killed. And that's how we're going about it. And here's how to live. That's the bigger point. We just constantly are shepherding, guiding our children. What's interesting is William Tyndale's translation uh, for teach diligently, he, tr- he translates it this, wet upon them. Wet upon them the commands. What does that mean, wet upon? Well, I had to look it up, and it took a little while to figure it out. Uh, But this older English phrase, wet upon them, in in, in view of teaching them diligently, that Hebrew word, uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary Online explains that this phrase, wet upon, means to sharpen by rubbing on or with something such as a stone uh, to wet a knife. So you, that's the idea of this teaching diligently. You know, you got that stone, zing, 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 got some water so it can handle it. And zzz, 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 zzz. You go back and forth, back and forth, so you get that sharp, that sword, that knife sharp. You think about that as that we're told our children are arrows in the quiver of a man, right? The arrow needs to be sharp. It needs to be straight. There's a lot of work involved in making a good arrow or a good knife. And so you wet upon your children all the commands. You teach them. You work on them like sharpening a knife. Uh, to make it more keen and more accurate. Uh, They also explain it could mean uh, to excite or stimulate diligently, you see. That's the idea here. You have a plan and a purpose for them. You have a plan and a purpose for them, and it's God's purpose and plan. And it's to impact the world effectively by knowing his word. And knowing what it means and what to do with it, how to respond. But t- diligently teach them what it's there, we understand, but let's look at it. Teach them. We see that idea of teaching them. Well, we know he's speaking about teaching the children, but the specific words them is referring to what? What just came the verse before? Commandments, God's commandments. Diligently teach them, be shepherding them, explaining, sharpening, training constantly. With God's commandments. Ultimately summed up in the greatest commandment. Verses 4 to 6. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That's your message for your children. You're going to diligently teach them what? The reference is God's commandments and all of them. And in the kind of way that they stay there and they're understood and they take its effect. The Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, Jesus says, make disciples for Jesus, teaching them to do all that he commands. And that applies just as much to the raising of your children. And may I also say the other part of the Great Commission, baptizing them. Because it's identifying them as Christ's and to be discipled in and for Christ. To, taught, to be taught to know the love of Christ and to love him back. Ephesians 6 verse 4 And ye fathers, parents, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To provoke them to wrath is to neglect them, you see. To have them watching other families having family worship, to have them seeing other families talking about God throughout the week. Why don't we do that in my family? Why doesn't mom and dad point out things just while we're going on vacation or walking around the beach? Why don't they ever talk with me about God? Why don't they teach me to know God and to know God's love and to know how to love him back? That's why they're exasperated. Let's not exasperate our children by thinking they don't deserve our time as much as our job or as much as our hobby or as much as our playtime. That will exasperate them. I think I've shared with you the particular grandparents my brother and I like to spend the time with over summer break were the grandparents that led us in being orderly, cleaning, having a, a structure of a schedule, being more strong with us when we disobey. We, we like to go there more. We never really talked about it. We just did. We just felt safe. We felt we had a purpose, we had a plan, we had a better sense of ourselves than to be allowed to just sit around and waste your time doing nothing. Nothing significant, because your parents aren't doing anything about it and guiding you and telling you what to do. They're just letting you fend for yourselves. You don't let a child fend for themselves. Not for anything in the world. And certainly not for religion and truth and eternal things. Raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And taking pains to teach your children is a 24-hour, seven-days-a-week lifetime job. And I know many of you said our grandparents, it never really ends. I know there's different ways you go about it. And thankfully, I think as our kids get older, they tend to listen more and actually recognize we have something to teach them, even by our own experiences and our own failures and not listening to our parents enough in the Word. But uh, it never is done. You're never done. You don't go on vacation, especially moms, right? They never go on vacation. Parents don't ever go on vacation. We are always responsible for our children and teaching them to love the Lord. And you don't go on vacation from that. On vacation, you keep your family worship. You go to church. You plan your vacation around where's the best church you can go to. You're always teaching them. And if you go to church with some different distinctions and maybe not the same scruples, you teach them to honor the church as a more or less pure church of Christ, to respect, but you don't skip worship. You don't skip the holy day. It's always God's day wherever we go. But it is taking pains all your life to teach them diligently. If you have to do something like this, it's just always, 
always what you're focusing on and consumes most of your time and energy. To diligently teach your children to love the Lord, do so all the time and everywhere. Love your children in the Lord. Diligently teach your children to love the Lord. To diligently teach your children to love the Lord, do so all the time and everywhere. Or don't be surprised when there's nothing there as they get older. And they don't want to be in church because they never really knew anything about it. Jesus used the whole world for object lessons. Look at the lilies. Behold the birds. God takes care of them. You don't have to worry. Pray, and he already knows what your needs are. Look at how beautiful and all they enjoy. They're just about living the day. If he does that for them, how much more for you? Build your house on a rock, Jesus says, not on sand. And the building on the house is doing God's commandments, Christ's commandments. That's how the house doesn't break down in a storm. Look at the widow's might. She gave all she had. So those rich guys who are giving very little of what they have, but it looks like a lot because it's technically more, but before God, he sees real sacrifice, and that is the proper tithing and cheerful gifts. He points to these things. God says, look at the rainbow. I'll never flood the world again. Every time you see a rainbow, you should be talking about that and correcting who has sabotaged the rainbow for their image now. I want you to know that rainbow is not for them. It's for God's covenant people. It's a sign of God's mercy, not licentiousness against him. Look to the rainbow. Look to the fruit-bearing trees. You'll know them by their fruit, Jesus says. We're to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does fruit look like? Let's go look at this fruit tree. Got a really great opportunity in San Diego, all these fruit trees a lot in our backyards. Let's go look. Let's think about what is rotten fruit? What is fruit you want to eat? Olivia gave a great illustration uh, in her speech last week, practicing in the apologetics. Uh, She gave the illustration of total depravity with the rotten avocado that she was going to have for breakfast, but she threw it out because it was rotten, good for nothing. You know, that's vivid. It lives everywhere around you. Jesus says he is uh, the vine. We are the branches. He's the door. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. Look to the imagery of carpentry. He's always pointing to that because he especially knew it intimately. He gave the example to us of discipling, teaching all the time everywhere. Everywhere is God's uh, well, some uh, my, I'm thinking my professor, he said playground, meaning we only pl- get to play the way he tells us. But everywhere is his universe. Everywhere, as I believe Calvin said, is his theater. Everything everywhere is such an easy opportunity to point people to God, to point our children to God and teach things, sometimes by the very same images, but otherwise um, many other things. Parents are to do this in all of life, all through life, that kind of diligent Teaching, we're to do it all the time, everywhere. Always. And all over the place. That's how we are to teach diligently. By speaking of God's commandments while sitting in your house. Walking along the way. Lying down at night. Rising up in the morning. 
Same thing in verse 5. Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your might. They're both paraphrastic statements. Verse 5, love the Lord with everything in you. Verse 7, teach your children to love the Lord everywhere all the time. That's the point. Now, this is interesting. Uh, I, I will say that what's coming uh, in the next verses is a little more how to do that with some practical ideas. I think generally still a bit paraphrastic in nature, but we'll see a little bit more how to do that in the coming verses, and we'll think about that. But This is interesting. President Theodore Roosevelt, you know what he said? Boy, do I think Americans need to hear this especially. President Theodore Roosevelt said, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Beloved, that is the absolute truth. This isn't to say other kinds of education are not good, but how many of our children in churches never come back from college the same, and they come back foolish and unwise? And whatever they learn how to do to make money, they don't know how to use it well, and they use it for the wrong kingdom. And they don't think about children, and they wait a long time to have them, if at all. Again, a thorough knowledge of the Bible is worth more than a college education. Hey, you want to know where I just heard that quote? I heard it last week. I heard it last Monday night when I was a, uh, a parent judge, and we had the different kids coming in in speech and debate, trying out their uh, speeches and different things they were giving, and you fill out the judging forms like you will in a real tournament, and you give them feedback and you help them. And I heard this from uh, one of uh, Olivia's uh, dear friends. She shared this quote. And I thought, i got to write that down. That's going to be real good for this text. And praise the Lord, I forgot about it. I couldn't find where I... I wrote it down, I looked it up, but praise the Lord, he helped me remember and I found it again. But where did I hear from a young lady giving a speech at Speech and Debate Club practice tournament, practice, rehearsal, repetition. They've given these speeches before. And it was led and run by parents who also lead them in the home and believe education must be Christian and parental. This verse is a main foundational verse for the understanding of Christian schooling, but particularly homeschooling. This is one of the foundational verses pointed to for the reason many homeschool their children, especially Christians. She gave that speech in such a tournament with parents leading and running it in the context of it, was, it is a club for, homeschooling, for homeschooled students and their parents to lead. Parents lead the whole thing. Everyone signs up for what we're doing at the tournament. We're involved. We sacrifice our time and our energy for the children. It is an encouragement to obey our text today that this is something she needed to give in her speech. And uh, they were sharing, again, even Monday night, that uh, we also look for community judges. By the way, we needed plenty of them first week in January. You will never believe how much you grow and are blessed and learn from them. Um, But uh, they were sharing, the leader was sharing, and I've heard this before, sometimes community judges that come and do this, they're not even believers, they're just friends, they come in. Uh, They're blown away with uh, homeschooling. The caliber of the students, the kind of messages they give, the work that they do and how well they do it, they are blown away, blown away. Because how much their parents are not only teaching them to love the Lord, but to be doing all things as unto the Lord, including how they go about schooling. It's an encouragement for us to, thinking about that young lady sharing that 
wonderful quote that I'm giving you today and saw some of you writing down. This homeschooled child by her parents, the youngest of seven, I believe, all homeschooled, giving this practice speech and me having the opportunity to learn. It encourages us to obey this text today with a confirmation. Train up a child, the proverb. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I mentioned that sermon earlier. It's uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. God gives the commandment today. He gives that promise, among others, in Proverbs. And those I've listed earlier. Beloved, take your children to worship every Lord's Day. And as much as you can to other fellowship and study and prayer times like Wednesday and our Homemakers Fellowship events throughout the week. How can you say you don't want to make a commitment? God is saying that's the commitment he requires. Give yourself to constantly bringing your children to where they will be learning by observation, by experience, and by teaching as much as you can. Lord Day is primary, but it's the beginning of the week. Be sure to have family worship while sitting after meals. It says, teach them always while you're sitting in your house. Have family. You know, I was reviewing as I'm studying some things about ruling elders in the Scottish church. They would regularly, the elders would want to go in and ask other elders first. Presbytery would come in actually to examine the elders, similar to how the elders will examine the families. Are you having family worship? Are you leading your children and your family in worship at home? And I remind you, the beginning of the directory for private worship, the part from the Church of Scotland when they said that they were sanctioning it as theirs, uh, it says in there that if a man is not treating his family with regular family worship and after several corrections and rebukes he doesn't change, he is to be banned from the Lord's Supper. That's how serious it is to neglect our children at home, sitting at home, when we should be teaching them for the opportunity. Teach your children while you are walking, or could we say driving now a lot of times. Practice the Westminster Shorter Catechism and its scriptures. I love that Mr. Lemon recently got some CDs. Just a lady who put the Shorter Catechism to song with a guitar. Just a way of learning and while driving, putting yourself to good work, memorizing, bettering your understanding of the Lord. And there's lots of things you can do. We have a CD with children's psalms from the RP Church years ago. And Gabriel asked for it constantly. He also asked for Aesop's fables we have that I put on my phone too. Uh, but this idea and desire to learn. And by the way, children will ask you a lot. A lot of this is just be ready to stop and answer them when they have questions. Often about the Bible, not be too busy for it. That's something I have to be careful of. Because I'm done with the sermon, i got to write the next one. And i got to be ready to answer and to take time to answer these questions. A lot of times you won't need to think of it. It'll, they'll come to you if you've started them and they understand So, we're told to be doing it while we're walking. So, while you're driving, uh, teach the scriptures, listen to Christian lectures, listen to Christian music, listen to the Christian radio station, correct it as you need to, teach them the right best programs to, listen on things online. 
Look at things with an eye to teach with life's object lessons found wherever you find yourself together. Bring them to the Lord. Bring them to the scriptures. Like Jesus, with a life filled with thinking about God and his way of life for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Read a scripture and pray with them before bedtime. It's hard, you know, you're getting them showers, takes them forever to get you to eat, you're getting tired, you know, but don't neglect Feed them most importantly with the word and with prayer. Even if it's just brief, let that be their memory of repetition from their mom and dad. And do the same in the morning before you start your day. About and for Jesus. We're trying to make sure we get better about keeping the family worship. It's challenging with all the different issues going on. Kids growing, me with a second job and demands of the ministry, but we need to be careful to do that as best we can. Sometimes we just got to say to our kids, I'm sorry, I have not really been pulling this off well. I'm asking you, stay at the table. Proverbs says, my son, give me thine heart and help me, please, to do this. And they will. But also before bedtime, I want to remember to be praying for them, not just giving them a bottle and trying to get them to sleep, speaking of the younger ones, but not forgetting to do that with the older ones who've helped you. And in the morning, Pray over them, even before they're up. Let them wake to the words of your prayers over them. When you close at night, let them hear your prayers for them and the rest of the family and others. This morning, I was moved by the text. Uh, I was starting to wake Gabriel and Gideon, and I I was moved to wake them by praying for them. And I was first singing about, we're going to go to, to worship the Lord. I was singing a silly song. I, I won't burden you with it. And uh, then just was praying for them. And I'm like, this, I have to, this is the way we've got to start our days. We've got to, you know, going around waking others up or, you know, let's pray. Let's, let's at least pray together. Let's talk. When you rise up, God says, when you go to bed or when you rise up, when you're sitting in the house or you're walking along the way, always be doing this. This is your main job in life. Of course, for yourself, but also your children. You need to be about Jesus. It needs to be for Jesus. And because Jesus commands you. And loving him is keeping his command and keeping this command. And that's loving your children. Teaching them to love him. Because he first loved us. Gave his only son. For us, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. That needs to be something you make sure your children know, memorize at least. And do it having a heart full of love for God by laying all his commands that you've put in your heart for love will pour out what you put there into their hearts. So your children love him too with all that is in them everywhere, exclusively and exhaustively. Loving your children by teaching them his commands. To do this, it implies you're going to be around a lot. A lot of men need to hear that. We have to work. We're not as home as much as the mothers. We have to make sure to set up and equip and expect and guide our wives, particularly in doing this when we're not there. But it means you've got to be around. It means your primary thing is not some big fancy job that takes you around the world all the time while your children grow up without you and any main influence in their lives for Christ. It means you're going to sacrifice yourself for your children 
not them for you. The Bible talks about them as a gift. How do you treat a gift, a precious gift? You're going to be around your family. You're going to be around your children a lot. You're going to sacrifice to be with them and serve them. You can get into a bowling club when they're in college. That's not to say you can't go bowling, but you get the idea. We can give ourselves to too many things, and sometimes we can put our children into too many things. And even when we're around each other, and this can be the challenge with homeschooling, we can be buzzing around so much, we've got to remember to really do these kinds of things and think and talk and interact. It will involve what you choose to do with your life to fulfill this commandment. And I say that thinking of Mr. Michael Payne. Some of you men might remember this brother who visited our church years ago a few times uh, while he was serving in a private company that served uh, the military. And so he was here several times years ago at, on his job. And I, I'll never forget this. <clears throat> Pardon me. And it came to mind. Because what if you have to be away? Well, with modern technology, there's a lot of ways to minimize the bad effect and maximize the good. Michael Payne, when he was with us, one time he came to our men's study on a Tuesday night. I don't know, men, if you'll remember, there was a time, uh, part of that study, he excused himself from our study. Why did he do that? Because he needed, he wanted, he chose to call his wife and children with a video call and have family worship together on the phone. That's what we're talking about, that kind of cherishing of our children, that we would cherish the training of them and know our responsibility to sacrifice and go out of our way all the time, wherever we are, even if we're distant from them, we still make a point to get as close as we can. And you know, he told us that there was a time where he was so understanding his job as making disciples of other people that his family and his children would wait in the car for hours while he tried to evangelize somebody at a grocery parking lot. He said, I realize my children are waiting on me and I am neglecting them. I'm not discipling them while I try. I need to be committed to my children. And he changed and he did. We can all change. We can all do better. That's the point. This is to motivate us to recalibrate our priorities. This is a sign of great love for God, great love for his wife and covenant children. And again, just keep practicing. As the Lord puts this on your mind and brings it more to your attention, just recognize all the opportunities. Gabriel showed me a little clock today that he has where he can practice the time with schooling. And I thought to say, yes, and what is time? Who made time? God made time. He is eternal outside of time, but he made time. And uh, I talked about how in Genesis, the sun, the stars, the moon are all there to mark time and seasons. Had I had more time and thought about it, I would have wanted to get, you know, it says that we need to redeem the time in the New Testament for the days are evil. I mean, wow. And I don't think I would have done that. I know I wouldn't have done that. And I should be doing more of that. I should just be thinking, looking for those opportunities. And that preparing this sermon has helped me already try to do those things. It's actually exciting. It's encouraging. And they love it. Don't be dissuaded or discouraged. Be motivated. Try harder, more diligently. All the time, everywhere. Look for things. They're always there. Oh, another one we could think of. Go to the ant, right? Proverbs 6. There's plenty of opportunity to teach that here, right, in the summertime. 
those ants that won't go away, they are doing, we can't get rid of them because exactly of who they are and what they do according to Proverbs 6, right? And then we teach them the point we need to be like that. We need to be managing ourselves and not need to have our boss around to do a good job. We need to not be told to do, but do it before we're asked, those kinds of things. We need to be preparing for before winter. We need to be harvesting and we need to be saving. Look at all these examples that are right there for us if we're looking and convicted and encouraged and excited to do this by this text today. And frankly, with one another, all as children of God. But particularly, permeate your progeny with the Prince of Peace and all his precepts perpetually. Now, yes, I just did a lot of peas there, alliteration. Why? Because it's helpful and it works. One of my friends from seminary says I do that too much, but it works. Repetition, repetition of the sounds. Keep drilling. I, I did it excessively for a point. Keep repeating, keep repeating, keep doing this. And do it by example, including teach them about repentance. Teach them about humility. Teach them about forgiveness, not just in what you teach, but in teaching it by example. Give them direction, give them correction, first of ourselves and then to them. And it's not an issue of perfection, it's an issue of persistence, as the Lord would perfect us more and perfect our children in Christ. With everything in you, all the time. Now I was going to name this sermon, the point of the message, Cherish Your Children. Because that's what all of this is about, that you would cherish your children. But of course, I needed to get in to properly reflect the text, the emphasis of diligently teaching them to love the Lord by keeping his commandments as his covenant people, which is how you ultimately love them, which is how you cherish them. If you do cherish your children truly with a covenant love like God's for all of us, then you will want to teach them diligently of God's love and his commands to love them back. And so the message is, cherish raising your children to love the Lord. Let it not be burdensome for you, as God's commands are not burdensome for us. And our children are not a burden, but a blessing. Let them see and experience that. Cherish raising your children to love the Lord. That's the message for you today. Let us pray. Lord, we do cherish you and your love and that you have made us your children and given us your wonderful commands to store up in our heart to love you with everything in us all the time, everywhere. We pray, Lord, therefore, that that love would clearly be seen in loving our neighbor, especially our brethren, especially our own covenant children you have given to us. That you would help us to think and serve them, raise them as do the scriptures. That we would raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, Lord, that we would teach them to know and obey your commandments. Teach them to love you, to love you everywhere. Help us to do and teach and show that with them everywhere. And not sending them to some children's Sabbath school or children's church, but with us. We're to teach our children. We are the primary person in their lives, the greatest influence. We go home with them. Let us teach them in home, not leave it here for someone else. 
Let us take the responsibility of teaching and raising our children for Jesus and in the love of Jesus and life for Jesus as covenant people. Let us not just send them to some school and they come home and never get what they might get there. Let us be open to raising them ourselves in every way. And no matter what is formal, <clears throat> may it be when we <clears throat> excuse me, pick them up from one place to the next where they may receive formal training. Let them get our training diligently on the way there and back. As we lay them down in the evening and rise them in the morning, as we eat around the table, let us constantly be repeating and reinforcing that they would love and know and serve their father's God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We pray that they would be like Jesus, loving you, all your commandments, teaching everyone in the congregation that they in their life would be like this, Lord, and that it would delight them to do your will because they love their Father in heaven. And we pray to you, God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Command us, O Lord, and equip us to keep your commands. And we pray in Jesus' name, and all your covenant children, young and old, said, Amen.